Chapter 8, An Easy Job I'm standing in front of a wall display of Plum Muses, staring up at them. What's amazing to me about traveling across the multiverse, more than all the weird stuff I've seen, is how much is the same. I mean, aliens have big box stores just like we do on Earth. They've got cereal aisles and checkout lanes and overhead calls for price checks, I think that's what they're doing, anyway, I can't understand the gargling. They've even got mass quantities of seemingly useless shit like plum muses that they sell by the case. Who needs that many? H. Hey, Leona, I call behind me as she rolls up with the shopping cart. What does a plum bus do, anyway? Your guess is as good as mine, Morty, she replies, looking down her holographic shopping list. There's one of them hanging up in the linen closet on the ship if you want to play with it. I mean, do you even play with it? Do you, like, clean up messes with the little pink tentacle thingies and that long part is the handle? Like, what is the point? I assume it's supposed to be a knick-knack. Leona glances up at the wall display, then back to me. Don't ask me, it was on my ship when I got it. Maybe it's a good luck charm? Yo no say. Come on, we've got everything. I turn away from the neon pink sign advertising a case of 25 plum uses for apparently a low, low price of 50 schmeckles and follow Leona down the aisle past other bizarre alien gadgetry. Her cart is thankfully full of food I can easily recognize, according to her, Earth food is much easier to get in space now that we're part of the Federation. Apples, lemons, limes, bags of leafy green vegetables that I don't usually like but I'll eat, and boxes of beans, crackers, and pasta are piled up in the cart, along with a delicious pack of Oreos, those are mine, but I can share, Leona said, and a 20-pack of Coke. The only things we can't buy easily are dairy and meat but she says there are alien substitutes that'll work out fine. I've gone long periods of time without eating either of those things, but sometimes I can't pass up a good schlug burger and a cup of ice-cold milk from a GYRT, she told me. Leona is actually a pretty relaxing person to travel with. She lets me sleep as much as I want, plays the intergalactic radio while we're flying, she has good taste in music, kinda like Rick and genuinely acts interested in me as a pee person. She even does that thing where she swings her arm across my chest to keep me from jerking forward when some ship pulls out on us, like mom does when some asshole cuts us off in traffic. It feels protective, almost maternal, and Leona doesn't even know who I am. She also let me put a box of vanilla sugar wafers in the cart and didn't question why I wanted them, so that's cool. Still, there's something about her that's really unsettling, the fact that she's a bounty hunter. I sorta expected half the bar to spring up and point their guns at her when she mentioned it, but apparently we were among semi-safe company. None of her active targets were in that particular nebula at the time, she told me after we got back on the ship. It's not like I'm traveling with an assassin or anything, yet part of me is still queasy about her line of work. Are we gonna get shot out of the sky sometime when we're minding our own business? Is there a giant bullseye painted on Leona's back? What if she does get hurt or killed, who am I gonna turn to then? Noah see preoccupe, she said, sensing my apprehension after we took off from nine.
I will keep you safe. Leona pushes into a checkout lane and starts loading our food onto the belt. I preoccupy myself with pretending to be interested in alien chewing gum and magazines while listening to her chit-chat with the cashier in that garbled talk I heard on the PA system. Rick has zero P patience with small talk, let alone shopping for groceries. I can't imagine him being out in space by himself trying to live like Leona does, but he must have done it. Either that or he stole all the food he didn't buy in a restaurant. Yeah, that makes more sense. Leona is definitely not like Rick in that way, she's actually nice to other lifeforms that aren't like her. All this for 300 schmeckles? Leona pulls out her wallet and starts counting out shiny green coins. I say we made out like bandits today. The cashier grunts, absorbs the coins into its tentacle, and hands over three burlap sacks full of our stuff. Leona motions for me to take one and hoists the other two on her shoulders, heading for the exit. Why you sure you don't want me to take another bag? I ask, scrambling after her. No, no, she replies. She's paused in front of one of those massive bulletin boards that are usually covered with lost pet notices and babysitter ads back at home. This one, though, is digital, and it's plastered with mugshots of various aliens with the word wanted flashing in English and four other languages I can't read. They put up wanted posters at the grocery store? I cock my head while Leona swipes through them with her finger. Bounty hunters need to do their shopping somewhere, Leona throws me a wink. Pero and Sirios, it's a personalized billboard. Cameras scan who you are, match you up to media clips, government databases, all that junk, and show you things based on what they think your interests are. My job is rather interesting to me, so they show me wanted posters. W8. You're a known bounty hunter? C. I used to work for the Federation, going after criminals even the seasoned Gromplamites didn't want to hunt down. I assume they still retain my information on file as a former employee. Wouldn't that make your job harder? I, I mean, if someone's on the run, they're gonna be smart and keep an eye out for you. Leona turns to me, gives me a lazy grin. This is a vast multiverse, Morty, you can't know everyone. And in this vast multiverse, there are a lot of very stupid beings on the run from the law. You overestimate their intelligence. She turns back to the bulletin board slash billboard and flips through a few more posters before pausing on one. Ah. He's back at it again, is he? Who is it? The creature looks a lot like that one alien Rick had chained up in his lab below the garage that mom and dad eventually discovered, only with orange slimy skin instead of yellow. You're looking at Tim Tam, crown prince of the core blocks. He's not a criminal, but he's got a nasty habit of running away from his responsibilities. Leona taps the photo, and a curling piece of paper spits out from a slot under the board. Grab that, that's our contact info for collecting the reward. W we're gonna actually go hunting for someone? I'll like for a bounty? C. Morty. It'll be an easy job, don't worry. 
We hustle onto the ship and shove the groceries into the right cabinets. Liana grabs a stack of Oreos and carries them to the cockpit, offers me a couple as we sit down and she dials up the string of numbers on the keyboard. A calling tone buzzes through the ship three times before a core block answers, even bigger and oranger than Tin Tam with a long purple shawl wrapped around its shoulders, I guess. Leona. The core block booms. He has a translation device pressed up to his neck, similar to what Rick had in his lab, just the lovely woman I was hoping to see. You flatter me, your majesty, Leona presses a hand to her chest. M.M. Ah, and who's this? The Korblock King pivots to squint at me. You didn't tell me you had a lover. Your Majesty, no. How old do you think I am? I blush and squish down in my seat as Leona continues. This is Morty. Consider him my apprentice. Apprentice? M.M. I suppose one does need a lot of training in your line of work. Morty, this is His Royal Majesty King Tutel of the Korblocks, Leona waves a hand toward the screen. He'll be the one paying our reward. If you can find my son, King Tutel cuts across. Which I trust you can, given your past success with this job. The offer has gone out to several other hunters, obviously, but I was so hoping you'd be the first one to call. You seem to have a knack for knowing just where he is, unlike those other hunters who take weeks to find him. He drums his fingers on his hip. The reward is the usual price, but open to a possible bonus if you can do this discreetly. Of course, your majesty. I'll get on it right away. See you soon. Leona presses the end call button on her dashboard, and King Tutel vanishes from view. I'm always discreet, you overgrown slug. I swear. So we're just going to go pick up some bratty prince that doesn't want to do his job? I ask. Leona looks over at me, rubbing her temple. It's a bit more complicated than that, Morty. Let's focus on locating Tim Tam first, then I'll explain. And I think I know exactly where to find him. She taps a few keys on the dashboard, then pushes away from it. The ship then launches into hyperdrive, and stars become tiny streaks before our eyes. I'm setting our course for one of the Royal Korblock vacation houses. Tim Tam is usually much more evasive, but since I just caught him a short time ago out in the middle of a remote start system, he's probably going to play it safe this time and go someplace obvious. It must be nice having some place you can run away to, I mutter under my breath. K. Oh. Ah, uh, it must be a gradable para correr, like that. All I do is sentarse en el techo de mi casa? Leona nods. You're getting much better. Soon you might string an entire sentence together. She turns to look out the windshield. So you like to sit up on the roof of your house. What do you do up there? W.L., I used to like doing that when I was back on Earth, you know. And I'd sit there and look up at the stars. It was relaxing. 
I am not the best of students, so when I had a really bad day at school I'd wait for the sun to go down after dinner and sit up there and watch them peek out into the dark sky, one at a time. The stars didn't care I if I failed a math test or screwed up on the spelling quiz. They were just there, you know, and I knew they always would be. I didn't bother telling her that I'd been sitting on the rooftop stargazing when Rick showed up for the first time. It was January, so it was a freezing cold night, but I hadn't bothered to grab a jacket or anything because I didn't want to let anyone know I was up here. All of a sudden he materialized out of a bright green portal and was standing next to me, wavering slightly. Why why you should probably have a jacket or something, kid. Don't want to get frostbite this time of year. Those were Rick's first ever words to me. And they might have been my last if he hadn't stopped me from slipping off the roof because he'd startled me so badly. I haven't told Leona the real reason why I'm looking for Rick just yet, I'm still trying to figure out if that's okay to do or not. That's beautiful, Morty, Leona smiles at me. Tears twinkle in the corners of her eyes. Lonely, but beautiful. Reminds me quite a bit of my husband. On estudiante pior, he was, so he'd often go off by himself out of the classroom to think, chew things over in his brain. You were married? See, nearly 20 years in Earth time. We had a daughter together, she has a family of her own by now, I'm sure. I hear the landing gear creak open under the ship, and that seems to shake Leona out of her sentimental mood. She pushes to her feet and clunks back toward the kitchen. Right. We'll need guns. Guns? Doesn't the king want his son alive? Claro, but a little extra firepower never hurt anyone. She comes back with what looks like two water pistols, the glass barrels swimming with bright blue liquid. These hold your typical tranquilizer. If we end up having to shoot Tim Tam, one shot should knock him out for an hour, two shots if he's feisty. This might end up being a peaceful talk, but keep it close just in case. I take the pistol in shaky hands and follow her out of the ship onto the front lawn of an enormous white mansion. The grass is all neatly trimmed and bright green like on earth, and I almost feel like I'm breaking some unspoken rule by walking across it. Leona doesn't seem to care, though, she walks limps across the grass like she owns the place. We march up the front steps together, pistols at our sides, and she presses the buzzer. The front door rises slowly like the gates to some great castle. Tim Tam himself slithers into the doorway, looking supremely irritated. You again, he squelches. His translating device is on a choker around his thick orange neck. Yes, me again, Leona says. I. My father sent you to get me, I know. Wanted posters plastered all over the galaxy, blah, 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 the whole shebang. Well, you can tell him to go fuck himself right in his swollen, shitcake dorsal orifices, because I am never coming home again. I'm sure he'd love to hear such moving and eloquent speech from your own mandibles. Tim Tam, a warm, soothing voice echoes from somewhere inside the mansion. Who's at the door? Is it the pizza delivery? 
Just a second, sweetie. Tim Tam calls over his shoulder before rounding on Leona. You have got exactly 10 seconds to get out of her before I have you arrested under Royal Corblock authority. Arrested? Leona laughs. Under the royal authority you try so hard to squirm away from? I hardly think. Nope. No more. I don't have to listen to this. Good day, ma'am. Tim Tam presses something on an inside panel, and the door slams down on Leona's left boot sticking in the way. I expect her to scream, swear, do something, yet she just stands there with arms crossed as if nothing unusual was going on. As if she didn't get several bones crushed this second. What the hell? Tim Tam, we've played this game before, Leona says. Cut the theatrics and let's get down to business, shall we? We both know this door won't close while I've got the object detection tripped. Move your foot. Make me. The door wrenches open. Before Tim Tam can make a witty reply, I fire my pistol five times right in the middle of his chest. His red eyes glaze over and roll back into his head, and he falls over with a ground-shaking thud. Leona whips around to face me. What the hell, Morty, she cries. He was the threatening you. I shout defensively. W what was I supposed to do, just stand here and watch you take it? Oh, Dios mio, Morty, it's a bit. A stunt. The whole thing is a setup. What? Leona sighs and shuffles over to me, pointing the end of my pistol down to the steps. I've had this arrangement going for years between these two. The king pays me to go find the crown prince and in turn the prince pays me off to not tell his father why he's running away. Oh, oh. Well, how was I gonna know that? You said you'd explain later and you never did. You just got all teary-eyed talking about your ex-husband and junk. Leona bristles at that. My husband is not junk. Anyway, yes, I said I would explain earlier and I never did. Lo siento. I need to be more forthcoming with you about these things if I expect you to cooperate with me, right? I nod ferociously. I'm not going to pretend to understand the finer points of Korblok culture, but I believe the whole conflict is King Tutel wants his son to take a second spouse per royal tradition, but Tim Tam would rather not subject his boyfriend or whatever gender his lover is to potential marital favoritism. So whenever he gets pissy or horny, Tim Tam runs off to be with his partner. See, partner, that's the word I'm looking for. She toys with one of the earrings she has pierced through the top of her ear. I know I'm prolonging the inevitable explosion of royal family drama by manipulating both of them, but it gives me an easy job, and both parties temporarily get what they want. I can't believe this. Not only is Leona a bounty hunter, but she's, like, morally conscious of how her work affects others? If she was anything remotely like Rick before, all bets were off now. There's just one question I have, I say. That's a lie, I'm bursting with questions. 
Why didn't you scream when the door came down on your foot? A smirk twists up Leona's face. She puts her left hand on the door jamb to steady herself and kicks out her left foot like one of those raquette dancers until I hear an awful clicking noise. She then bends down and pulls her boot and her entire leg off up to her knee. What the hell? This is what happens when you have a target that has landmines instead of a doorbell, Leona points the boot at me. I was lucky to get away with my other foot somewhat intact, I just lost my pinky toe there. Ah, uh, jeez. I, I am sorry. No, don't be, it's not your fault. Besides, I've got a great melee weapon at my command whenever I need it. She bends back over and snaps her calf back in place. At least it'll be easier hauling his royal fat-ass highness up into the ship with two people instead of one. Come on, let's get him home. So I help Leona tug Tim Tam, crown prince of the Korblocks, up into the ship, feeling a little bit more in awe and terrified of her. Chapter 9, Memory Lane is a Bumpy Road How much can I say to Summer? How much should I say? My memory is vast and by all accounts flawless, hide minds generally don't forget things, yet I don't feel comfortable telling someone else's story in this instance. It's Rick's story to tell or keep quiet, the one about his wife. If he hasn't said anything about her before this point to Summer or Morty or anyone else, who am I to break that silence for him? Still, Summer has been a model captive. Her first request was a shower of all things, to which I happily obliged to help her. I think it unnerved her to know that the person washing her hair in one bathroom and the person she last saw filling out paperwork in the kitchen have the same consciousness, but she's gotten used to me since then, I think. Her only complaint was when she switched on the cable box to find we only had 6,000 channels at our disposal and only from one dimension. Apparently Rick had stolen a time crystal to pirate cable and give his family access to infinite channels from infinite dimensions. So something he would do. I wonder where he is right now. Part of me felt a little twinge of jealousy that I hadn't been the one to break him out, or at least that he hadn't felt the need to run to my doorstep like he has so many times before. Who did break him out? Why is Summer of interest to the Federation for his escape? Forgive me, but Summer and her brother don't seem to be skilled enough to pull off something so huge. They are human teenagers, after all, easily distracted and prone to fits of self-doubt. And where did Morty disappear to in the scuffle for their capture? I'm working on the answer to that last question while I'm filling out Federation paperwork and hanging out in the den watching a Jeopardy! Marathon with Summer. The technology is still buggy at the moment, but I've been working on a system that will analyze a specimen's genetic information and scan the multiverse for matches and near matches to those genes. Initially, I meant to use it as a tool for taking over entire families should they be flung far and wide across galaxies. Once I located one individual from a family, I could hunt down their siblings and parents, for instance. Yet I've realized that I could use it to help Summer find her brother. Maybe I couldn't find precisely where he is, but I'd at least have some coordinates to send her to. Screw the Federation, I'm not keeping her here forever. 
if they want Summer back for questioning, they can use their absurd wealth of resources and find her themselves. I'm also looking for that damn ring. I know I took it with me when I left the Degras system, and I've kept it in one of my many jewelry boxes, much to Beta 7's chagrin. It's just a question of which box it's in. H hey, un, check it out. Leona got me an engagement ring. Rick says, flashing his hand toward me. A glittering gold band is circled around the fourth finger on his left hand. Do human men have engagement rings? I'm not familiar with Earth's cultural practices. Nah, women are usually the ones getting a rock cause they expect men to propose, which is such bullshit. I, I don't see why women can't muster up the guts to get down on one knee. Rick swipes a hand over his mouth, which is dripping with a celebratory drink. But Leona did it. She's not like everyone else I've ever met, un. She's got guts, cojones. I've never met anyone like her before. I felt a sharp pang shoot through my chest, a pang I'd later learn was called envy. This is the end, I say flatly. It's meant to be a question, but there's no point in asking if I already know the answer. Yeah, duh. Rick is always a bit more callous when he drinks, yet I don't think he's trying to be hurtful this time. It's a beginning, though, too. A beginning for us. I'm not included in the less this time. This is the fifth jewelry box I've looked through, and still nothing. A hive mind like me accumulates a lot of trinkets over the years from monarchs and politicians who think they can bribe their way out of a psychological takeover. Most of the stuff is gaudy, heavy, or just plain confusing to wear, so it sits in boxes and collects dust. Of course the one thing I want would be buried among all the chains and gems I don't want to look at. I should have just kept it with me as soon as he left it on my nightstand. Rick is as drunk as I've ever seen him, barely able to keep on his feet. Thankfully he got here through one of his portals instead of in a ship, because he most likely would have been a crashed, smoking heap on my front lawn. I I I it's hick, over, he sobs. It's the end. It's everything I can do to catch him in my forearms and half carry him to the couch where he flops down like a forgotten toy. He's cried in front of me before, but never like this, with sobs and hiccups racking his entire lanky body. Whatever he's upset about has broken down every wall inside him, leaving him as a husk. What's over? What's the end? I panic. Leona. Even in his drunken stupor, he can say her name without stuttering. His silver flask falls out of his limp hand and onto the floor, staining the carpet a pale green with its contents. We're done, finished. C called the whole thing off because I'm such a fuck-up and I couldn't keep my goddamn feet on the ground where I belong. But you belong here, I say. Space is your home. The amount of freedom fighting you've done for the galaxies, for the multiverse, is incredible. You have a legacy here, a place here. Rick sits up on rubbery arms, glaring at me through bloodshot eyes. His breath reeks of alcohol and self-loathing, which for him is more or less the same smell. 
You don't get it, un, he growls. I have no place. I left my legacy behind on earth. I belong nowhere. Thirteenth box. I brush aside a few clunky hematite necklaces and it's there, a gold band scratched and dulled by years of wear. The inside has an inscription in some earth tongue that I've never been able to read, I think Rick said it was in Spanish? Perhaps Summer will be able to read what it says when I show her. Why'd you put it on your choker? I ask him after a flesh curtain show. He's fresh off the stage, reeking of sweat and exhilaration, his bass slung on his back. This will be the band's last performance for a while to sort out their creative differences, which Squanchy told me was really code for Rick wanting to spend more time with his fiancée. Gets in the way of my fingering, he replies, wiggling his unibrow to suggest he does not just mean fingering on his guitar. Besides, I want her close to my throat. That's where I feel all the vibrations, all the time that I pulse out into music. Even if she's not here, I want her to feel it, too. I walk into the den where Summer is still parked in front of the TV, into her fifth hour of the Jeopardy! Marathon. Her watching partner, one of the cooks with a stained white jacket, gives up his seat on the couch for me to sit down next to her. Hey, I say, nudging her shoulder. Oh hey, Unity, again. Take potent potables for 800, Lana, just do it, Summer urges at the screen. You said you wanted to talk about Rick and his wife? Oh, yeah, totally. Summer scrambles for the remote and clicks the mute button. Anything you can tell me, literally anything, will be helpful. I'm burning with curiosity. Ah, uh, I know that feeling well. First, I've got something for you. Hold out your hand. She gives me a weird look. The last person who told me that told me to close my eyes, too, and the surprise I got was not that great. I'm not coming on to you, Summer, I roll my eyes. Unless you want that sort of thing. I'd rather not put my mouth or my genitals anywhere near where Grandpa Rick might have had his. That's like making an intergenerational sandwich, which is just you. She holds out her hand anyway, and I plop the ring into it. That's Rick's engagement ring. I guess it's his wedding ring, too, because I never saw him wear a different one. Whoa. Summer picks up the ring between two fingers and holds it up to the light. Hard to imagine him wearing anything like this. He doesn't strike me as a sentimental guy. When a hive mind laughs, it ripples through the entire consciousness, so for a few brief seconds the mansion comes alive with laughter. You'd be surprised, Summer, I say. When it came to Leona, he melted into a pile of goo. This is coming from a being who has destroyed entire worlds both by accident and on purpose, but Rick would make the whole galaxy burn if that would make her smile. I've never seen any creature so deeply in love. He most certainly never felt that way about me, I think to myself before brushing the toxic thought away. This is not what Summer wants to hear. She rolls the ring over and over in her palm, chews the inside of her cheek. 
What was she like? I don't know everyone that Grandpa Rick ever dated, obviously, but I mean, he had you. And you could take any shape he wanted. You could be anything he wanted. Some people would kill to have someone so flexible in their life. I think that was the problem. Ha! Huh? I give Summer the warmest smile I can muster and kneel on the couch, curling my feet under my body. You said it yourself when we first met. When we're together too long, we turn into mirror images of each other. Like how I corrupt individuals' minds, Rick corrupts me so much with his bad influence and partying ways that I lose myself, my identity. And as a hive mind, my personality is what defines my presence. To lose that. I shudder. To lose that means I may as well not exist. So I think Leona was a counter to all that. She was independent, not easily swayed from her ambitions by anyone else. I can only imagine their first meeting was a disaster, I giggle. Rick, as wild as he was back in the day, wouldn't have understood her. He was so powerful, so persuasive. He could make anyone do anything with a few silver-tongued words. But she saw through his smoke and mirrors to the cracks in his facade. He was raw, vulnerable, looking for someone who just got him and accepted who he was. Summer looks like she's on the verge of tears, but they'll be happy ones if they fall. I don't understand. Why would he leave someone like that? Mom told me he was the one who left his wife, not the other way around. Why, well, having a kid together doesn't mean anything if my parents are any indication, but if you find someone like that who just gets you, why let them go? I shrug. Even the strongest rock gets washed away by waves of water after so long, or so I'm given to understand. We don't know the details. Maybe she's the one that let go. Maybe. Summer lifts up the ring and peers on the inside. Wait, there's something written here. You'll have to tell me what it says. Rick told me a long time ago it's in Spanish, and I'm not familiar with earth tongues. Oh brilliant, and I'm taking French. She squints. Me mayor Tesoro, yeah, sorry, Unity, I have no clue what this says. I dunno what a mayor has to do with a gas station chain. Keep the ring. I have a chain you can put it on to wear around your neck. I'm not about to tell her about the flesh curtains dog collar that Rick left behind with me, I'm saving the intergalactic rock band stories for him to tell. Now I want to talk to you about something, your brother, Morty. Summer stops fiddling with the ring and meets my eyes. What about him? You two were separated in the scuffle when you were captured by the Federation. The thing is, they didn't manage to keep him in custody. Someone kidnapped Morty from the crowd and got him out of prison, away from federal jurisdiction. Oh my god, that is so typical. She throws up her hands. I get the short end of the stick on this adventure, and he somehow worms his way out of trouble. If you think he's wormed his way out of trouble, you're sorely mistaken, I cross my arms over my ample chest. According to the papers I was sent, 
They want to recapture and interrogate Morty for the same reasons they want you. They think you're responsible for Rick's escape. How could we be responsible for our grandpa escaping before we even got to the prison? Well, that's an odd turn of words. Wait. You mean to tell me you had plans to break Rick out? It was all Morty's idea. Summer blurts. He's the one that spent six months filling in a notebook with sketches and plans for how to break an undetected, only we kind of fumbled the ball on the undetected part, and he's the one that's been the most shaken up by Rick not being around. Look, I don't know if you picked up on this, Unity, but Rick and Morty are like best friends. I know it's really weird, a teenage boy and an old dude, but it works somehow. They make it work. I. She bites the inside of her cheek. I don't miss him all that much. If you don't miss him, Summer, then why are you so curious about his past and who he loved? What do you plan to do with this information if he never returns to your life? I'm genuinely curious about her answer to this. Perhaps she's somehow planning to smuggle Rick back to Earth and reunite him with his ex-wife, pulling off some grand love story nearly 20 years after the fact. For what reason, I don't know, since Rick made it very clear that they were done, finished. Maybe this is just bullheaded teenage optimism on Summer's part. Or maybe she just wants to know. You out of anyone should be able to empathize with how she's feeling. She clams up, knots her arms over her chest, and pouts. Damn, I upset her. Anyway, I may have a way for you to find Morty. I continue. I built a device that, with your genetic sample and minimal technical errors, should scan the multiverse for any near matches to you. That would of course include Morty, since you share 50% of your DNA as siblings. I pause and squint at her. You are full siblings, right? Oh yeah. There's no way Morty is anyone's kid but Jerry's. They're too much alike. Fair enough. So if you could just... Summer reaches up and tugs a few hairs from her scalp. Will this work? For now. I may need a cheek swab later if this turns up no results. I take the hairs from her, fish out the tiny plastic bag I found the ring in, and tuck them inside. The scan will take a while to complete, even if I isolate my search to this particular universe. Rick is only a handful of beings I'm aware of that can successfully achieve transdimensional travel, so unless the one who took Morty somehow got a hold of Rick's portal gun, they've likely stayed within this universe. Oh okay. Summer looks a little frazzled with all the information I've offloaded into her teenager brain. Anything else you want to tell me? Yes. I'm working off of a hunch here but I suspect that the same person who broke Rick out of prison is the same one who kidnapped your brother. The relationship between Rick and Morty is well known across the galaxies. And although you may not think so, your grandpa is extremely valuable to anyone else looking to take down the Federation to further their own agenda. I'm talking about small-time planetary dictators, arms dealers, terrorists who only dream of wreaking havoc on the same scale Rick has. 
with his genius and creativity under their control, nothing will stop them. But what does this have to do with Morty? Summer asks. I'm not terribly familiar with earth turns of phrase and euphemisms, but I think there's one about a carrot and stick. It's about punishment and reward, anyway. I assume they'd force Rick to work under threat of hurting Morty and reward him by giving them time together. I don't get it. What am I gonna do against an intergalactic terrorist if they've got my brother? I sigh. There's no guarantee that he's in their custody yet, Summer. It's simply guesswork on my part. But I'd rather not make that gamble on his safety. You, well, I'm not sure what you can do. If nothing else, you can protect him. I'm given to understand that's what siblings do. I rise from the couch and pat Summer on the shoulder. Let's solve one problem at a time first, okay? I'll take this sample to the lab, see what I can do. Aha, uh -huh, Summer nods. She doesn't turn the TV volume back up as I leave the den. I hand the sample off to a trustworthy man in a pristine white lab coat and head back to my own room. Buried at the bottom of the jewelry box where I found the ring is a photo Rick gave me of him and Leona sometime after they met. He's wearing his typical rock star clothes of the day, low-riding black jeans, leather vest over a low-slung gray tank top, studs and silver earrings galore, blue hair swept back like he'd either got out of a spaceship or just had sex. Leona stands next to him, reddish-brown hair teased out to enormous proportions, giant hoops in her earlobes and little studs lining the shell of her ears, a University of Miami t-shirt cut off at her brown midriff. They're leaning into each other, but they're almost the same height, she wouldn't have had to crane up to kiss him like I often did. On the back it's signed Leona and I, June 2, 1980. It seems like I'm just going on hunches lately but I have this awful feeling that Leona somehow got off of Earth. I don't know how. But the resemblance between this photo, save a few decades of wrinkles and sun exposure, and the notorious ex-Federation bounty hunter, Leona Sanchez, is uncanny. If anyone could hunt down Rick, it'd be her. Hell hath no fury like a woman abandoned, after all. Chapter 10, Skeleton in the Closet Ever since I took down Tim Tam with the tranquilizers, Leona has been hellbent on teaching me how to shoot a gun properly. I did manage to put five shots in Tim Tam's chest, but they were sprayed all over the place even though I was standing less than ten feet in front of him. In my defense, he had a really broad chest. Still, my accuracy could definitely use some work, Leona had said, as well as my form. Apparently standing with my K and knees knocking together didn't count as a good stance. You won't need to shoot every target on every job. Some will come quietly if they know you've got them cornered. Others will try to be a little feisty like Tim Tam, she'd said over a late dinner of peach yogurt, Oreos, and tequila one night, I had a can of Coke. That's where good trigger work comes in. So Leona has been taking me to heavily forested planets where the trees won't mind being grazed with a few wayward laser blasts if I happen to miss the burlap dummies she strings up for targets. She usually sits on the ground with her prosthetic leg crossed over her real one, 
weaving in looping piles of rainbow yarn or silk with a flashy metal hook. I learned last night what she was doing is called crocheting, el ganchillo. That's pretty nifty you got such a giant pile of silk from spiders, I said. No, no, Morty, you misunderstand. This comes from actual Aranya's gigantes from Mars 72. They're like... She stretched her hand over her head as high as it would go, at least 10 feet tall at the knee. Nicest arachnids I've met so far, even if Lorena tried to eat me. Ah geez, Leona, that sounds like a lot of dangerous work just to make a vest. Why not buy one? Because numero uno, this vest is for you. Numero dos, all the bulletproof vests you can buy this side of the galaxy are horrendously overpriced for the narrow range of protection they offer. And numero trace, when I crochet, Pusamore and Las Puntadas. So stop freaking out about the existence of giant spiders and focus on your target practice. Today I've got a burlap dummy strung up at eye level. I'm supposed to practice firing one-handed while squared up to my shot, but I keep missing everywhere I aim by inches. Every time I bring my other hand up to steady myself, Leona looks over her wire-framed librarian reading glasses and clicks her tongue. Apparently, I need to learn this way along with two-handed form because a target won't always be polite enough to wait for me to get in a perfect stance, her words, not mine. Which, no doubt, makes sense, but I'm so damn frustrated with my accuracy that I want to cry. I shouldn't be pointing at the dummy's left arm and end up firing at the branch behind it instead. See can I stop for a bit? My elbow hurts, I say, dropping my arm to my side and flicking the safety on automatically. The blaster whirs down to a soft hum under my grip. Poor K? I I I dunno. But I just need a break. I don't think I'm getting any better. Leona looks up from her crocheting, tucks the hook behind her ear, and drops her reading glasses around her neck on a coppery chain. She grunts a bit when she stands and shifts her weight, sending a pang of guilt through my stomach. I really hate making her get up when she doesn't have to, especially now that I know about her prosthetic. Well, you're getting better at shooting the hell out of the trees, I'll give you that, she remarks, putting a hand on my shoulder. They won't need a trim for another ten years at least. I laugh shakily. Let me see your form. She shuffles around behind me when I raise my arm to see how I'm doing it. I'm about to flick the safety back on when she takes the blaster out of my hand, tutang. No wonder your elbow hurts, Carino. You're keeping it locked in place when you shoot, trying to fight the recoil. Here, she says, turning me around with her free hand, keep your elbow a little bent, Lovius. That way you can shoot like this. She takes aim and fires ten shots in a tight little circle on the dummy's forehead. BB but if I do that, I'm gonna hit myself in the face. No, you won't. Your body has reflexes for a reason, to stop yourself from doing such things. Your mind is what's tricking you, you need to not overthink it. Ha, right. She hasn't seen me fall up and down the same flight of stairs in one day. My reflexes are actively trying to kill me, 
not keep me from doing stupid shit. Here, Morty. Leona stands right behind me and mirrors my stance. Feet shoulder width part. Extend your arm. Do not lock your elbow, Requerdas. Bend it a little, perfecto. She slips the blaster back into my palm. I flick the safety off with my thumb. Ready. Aim. I look for a spot I haven't scorched yet with lasers and pick a spot on the upper torso, slightly to the right. I will make this shot. I will. Fire. B-R-R-R-R-R-K-K-K. The laser crackles through the air and lands smack dab where I shot. Like Leona said, my hand didn't snap back to hit me in the face, but rather bounced back into position once the recoil stopped. Again. B-R-R-R-R-R-K-K-K. An inch away from the first one. Again. B-R-R-R-R-R-K-K-K. Between the first and second shots. Seven more. By the time I'm done, there's an angry red burn about the size of my fist seared into the burlap dummy's torso. Leona claps me on the back, laughing. I, Dios, that was wonderful. Muy bien. You'll make a good marksman one day if you keep working. She walks behind me and scoops up her half-made vest and extra balls of black silk. Liver's a gruesome point to shoot for on a human, lots of blood, but if you're going for fatality, I guess that works. Go on, haul the dummy down and we'll have cope floats back on the ship. She got me right in the goddamn liver, Morty. It's the hardest working liver in the galaxy, Morty, and now it's got a hole in it. I hope it was worth it. The memory hits me like a semi-truck as I lower the dummy on its rope back to the ground. WH where the hell did that come from? All I did was pick a random place to shoot, it didn't mean anything. Not like I was trying to live out some sick fantasy of hurting Rico or something like that. At least Leona encourages me to do something right, instead of tearing me down every time I make a mistake, I mutter to the dummy as I flip it over my shoulder and walk back toward the ship. SHU's really nice like that, you know? And she teaches me stuff. I don't really get the whole crocheting thing, but she's teaching me how to cook with all these alien ingredients so I don't starve to death if I'm ever on my own. She's got a holosax, too, kinda like a saxophone, but it makes pretty cool holograms when she plays. Sometimes, the music makes me fall asleep. Last night Leona brought out the holosax and played while I lay curled up in my pillow nest. My eyelids were heavy and kept fluttering, I felt bad that I couldn't pay attention to the holograms since those are pretty much the whole point of her playing. The last thing I do remember seeing is an image of a red-headed woman and a lanky guy slow dancing together, and I swore I heard Leona sniffle. And maybe she was thinking about her husband, and that's what I saw? I dunno if it'd be rude to ask her any more questions about him. She kinda seems touchy about the subject. I walk back up the short ramp into the ship that leads back by where I sleep. Leona's in the kitchen, I hear the clink of an ice cream scoop against glasses and the PFFTSS. Of her opening Coke cans.
I'm pretty sure the dummy goes back here somewhere. There are so many little storage spaces on board that I find a new one every day. H. Hey, Leona? Where does the dummy go? M.M.? There's a pretty sizable locker built into the wall back here, big enough for me to stand up inside and still have plenty of room to move. I drop the dummy to the floor and fiddle with the knob, spinning through the letters. See a like click, click, chick, clank. It's broken like the cheap combination lock built into my locker at school. Never mind. I think I found where it belongs. Leona pokes her head through the doorway, ice cream scoop in hand. Her eyes fly wide open when she sees where I'm standing. N-N-N-N, no, Morty. Don't touch. This is really pissing me off, this whole not seeing shit business. Everything is pitch black except for a tiny crack of light I can see if I squint down at my feet. But that tiny crack of light can't illuminate a damn thing that's useful around me. I do know that I can't move more than about three inches in any direction, so I must strap down somehow. I mean, I love bondage as much as the next guy, but hello, ever heard of this little thing called consent? I can hear everything that's going on around me, though, every clatter and bang and hum of what I assume are machines either trying to keep me alive or coaxing me closer to death. Or maybe it's just a really shitty atmospheric stabilizer that sounds like a 20-rat orgy inside an abandoned water heater. Anyway, the one thing I can be sure I'm hearing is voices. Actual human voices. Morty? Morty, HH how the hell did you get to wherever I am? Because I fucking guarantee that I didn't make it back to Earth, so you somehow got up into space. Please don't tell me you took a Galactic Federation shuttle, those things make the New York subways look immaculate. But knowing how much of a goody two-shoes you are, that's exactly what you did, because you wouldn't think to hijack a ship of your own or anything that I do. That's why you're better than me, Morty. I, I bet you thought you were gonna come save me, huh? Well, the joke's on both of us for that one. I dunno who snatched me out of prison but I am so glad they did, Morty. S. Sobriety is hell, Morty. There's a reason I'm drinking all the time, and they wouldn't give me a drink at all. Not even a shot. I can see you now, sitting down with some notebook, thinking up some half-baked scheme to break me out, cause you've got it in your head that I've somehow made your life better. Look, take it from me. I haven't made your life better. I'm not worth saving. Why you don't know this, and you probably never will, but I turned myself over to the Federation. Your dumbass dad doesn't have enough wherewithal to know a confetti cannon from a space weapon, so how the hell would he be able to call and turn me in? I only gave his name to G. Get the last laugh on him, Morty. Cheap shot, but a funny one. There's another voice I'm hearing and this is making me confident that I've truly madly deeply lost it either from extended sobriety or sensory deprivation, because there is no fucking way in hell she's actually here. Leona. You know, it may actually be a good thing to be tied up in the dark if it's really you. I'd probably bolt as soon as we locked eyes. 
And the really shitty thing about that is it's both the first and last thing I want to do. If I wasn't such a coward, such a piece of shit, I'd run to you. I'd drop to my knees at your feet and cry, because the only dipshit I'm allergic to is me. Apologies would spill out of my mouth in a tea-tangled mess of half-forgotten Spanish and English that you'd somehow understand because you just get me, Leona. And those apologies would probably be useless. Let's face it, most of the crap that comes out of my mouth is useless, which makes sense considering the source. You'd probably drop to your knees, curl those god-given legs under your body, pull me in like you did so many times, like you did on our first and last night together, and... No. I'm not going there. I don't deserve a kiss. I don't deserve the time of day from you after all I've done. I'll take my pain to the grave, thanks. In the meantime, I'll be looking for a drink powerful enough to make me forget I'm hearing things like your voice. The crack of light at my feet is growing brighter. It's stretching over my legs, my stomach, my chest, my face. Touch that. The locker bangs open and several things in frames clatter to the floor. Leona rushes up behind me as I bend down to scoop everything up. I, Morty, I wish you had asked me first before you started going through my things. Everything has a very specific place in my ship so I don't lose it. Sorry. I glance down at the first wooden frame I have stacked up in my arms. The University of Michigan and Arbor Sea confers upon Leona Isabel Perez Sanchez, geez, that's a lot of Z's in there, a doctorate in biomedical engineering. Holy crap. You have a PhD? See? Leona shifts her weight from one side to the other. Had I stayed on Earth, I would have made my living building prosthetics, like the one I have. In fact, I designed and built this one, she kicks her left foot out, and had an alien surgeon install it. You got your leg blown off by a landmine and had enough time to make your own prosthetic L like some fucked up Build-A-Bear type thing? Watch your language. And no, I didn't just draw up plans while I was bleeding out on the front doorstep of my target's house. Jesus Christo, no, I did it after I was stabilized at the hospital. They have amazing customization options. The word customization brings up an unpleasant memory of cleaning out the garbage in mom and dad's room and finding a catalog with, uh, several alien versions of a human penis complete with different vibration settings and attachments sold separately. I never want to know where that came from, and I shoved that thought to the back of my mind like I shoved the catalog deep into the trash. W-O-W is all I can say. I shuffle through to the other frames. Bachelor of Science in Biology from the University of Miami, Florida. Master's degree in Engineering from the same school. Mom would have killed to get anywhere beyond veterinary school, and here Leona is floating through space as a bounty hunter with a PhD. Why'd you go to an arbor? My husband and I decided to move shortly after I got pregnant, Leona shrugs. Miami is a party city, Morty. Not a suitable place to raise a child. We needed somewhere a bit quieter. Oh. And my mom's from Muskegon. 
I, I live there, er, live there, I guess. Really? Small world. She looks down at the dusty frames with a sad smile. Now put those back where they came from. The ice cream is melting. Leona turns away and paces back toward the kitchen. I'm about to set the frames back in the locker when one of them falls out of my arms and clatters to the floor. I pick it up and realize this is one I didn't look at. Huh, a marriage license. The state of Florida and Miami-Dade County do hereby certify on this date, August 15, 1981, the marriage of Ricardo Andreas Rodriguez Sanchez and Leona Isabel Sanchez Perez before a court administrator, hang on a second. Sanchez is a popular last name, and Rick could definitely be short for Richard or even Patrick. But oh my god, could this be? No. There's no way it's him, is there? Something flutters out of the back of the frame, a photograph. I snatch it out of the air and flip it over. A much younger Leona is in a short, fluffy white dress with a veil flipped back over her wavy reddish-brown hair, a trailing bouquet hanging over one arm. And the guy across from her, tall and sleek in a black tux and holding both her hands, holy shit. There's no mistaking that's Rick, even if he has more hair here than he does now. No one else has blue hair like that. I shove the photo in my back pocket, drop the frames in the locker and kick it shut. All thoughts of coke floats have fled my mind, cause El Leona has a lot of explaining to do.